O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, August 29th. The Bible translations that I use each week include the King James Version, the New Living Translation, and the Israel Bible. This last Bible can be found online at theisraelbible.com. Someone recently wrote in to me and asked why I am using the Israel Bible as one of the translations that we read from each week. It is from a Jewish source. We in Hebrew Roots have only been studying Torah for about 30 years. We are newbies at this. There is much we can learn from our brother Judah as they have been studying Torah for many centuries. I do not subscribe to the Oral Torah, the Mishnah, and this foundation always remains. Yeshua is our Messiah. Aside from these differences, we can have dialogue with our Jewish brethren and be teachable. I have been involved with building bridges between Jews and Christians through the ministry work I have done with the nation's Ninth of Av. I know Tuli Weiss, editor of the Israel Bible, personally. They are opening up their arms and their hearts to us and inviting us to study Torah with them. No strings, no agenda, no proselytizing. It is a pleasure and an honor to walk with them. Another ministry I have relationship with is RootSource. I encourage you to visit this website to see all that they have to offer. The website is Root. Source.com. These are loving Jews who share their knowledge of Torah with Christians. Again, no agenda, no strings, no proselytizing, just inviting us to the table to study Torah with them. I find many of the comments in the IsraelBible.com to be very insightful, even profound, and not found in mainstream Christianity. I do use discernment and do not share all comments. It is prophesied in the book of Ezekiel that the two houses, that is, the house of Judah, the Jews, and the house of Israel or Ephraim, the non-Jews, the ten tribes of the north, will one day become one kingdom, as it is written in Ezekiel 37, 16-19. As for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it, for Judah and for the children of Israel and his companions. Then take another stick and write on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not show us what you mean by this? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, 
which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it to the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. This will come to pass, and Yeshua will accomplish it. Anything I can do to help prepare the way, to dismantle the wall that has so long divided us, the wall of anti-Semitism, misunderstanding, persecution, and hatred toward the Jewish people, I am glad to do it. I have a deep love for the nation of Israel and for the Jewish people. I believe that is God's heart. They are His people. We are family. Yeshua will reunite us and make us one, in His way and in His time. So this is why I use the IsraelBible.com. It's part of the bridge building. After all, the name of the ministry is Bridge Connector Ministries. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Nitzavim, and it means you are standing. Deuteronomy 29, 9-29 You stand this day, all of you, before Hashem your God, your tribal heads, your elders, your, your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, your wives, even the stranger within your camp, from the woodchopper to the water drawer, to enter into the covenant of Hashem your God, which Hashem your God is concluding with you this day with its sanctions, to the end that he may establish you this day as his people and be your God, as he promised you and as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I make this covenant with its sanctions, not with you alone, but with those who are standing here with us this day before Hashem our God, with those who are not with us here this day. Well, you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt, and that we passed through the midst of various other nations through which you passed. And you have seen the detestable things and the fetishes of wood and stone, silver and gold that they kept. Perchance there is among you some man or woman or some clan or tribe whose heart is even now turning away from Hashem our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Perchance there is among you a stalk sprouting poison weed and wormwood. When such a one hears the words of these sanctions, he may fancy himself immune, thinking, I shall be safe, though I follow my own willful heart to the other ruin of moist and dry alike. Hashem will never forgive him. Rather will Hashem's anger and passion rage against that man till every sanction recorded in this book comes down upon him and Hashem blots out his name from under heaven. Hashem will single them out from all the tribes of Israel for misfortune in accordance with all the sanctions of the covenant recorded in this book of teaching. And later generations will ask, the children who succeed you, and foreigners who come from distant lands, and see the plagues and diseases that Hashem has inflicted upon that land, all its soil devastated by sulfur and salt, beyond sowing and producing, no grass growing in it, 
just like the upheaval of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which Hashem overthrew in His fierce anger. All nations will ask, Why did Hashem do thus to this land? Wherefore that awful wrath? They will be told, Because they forsook the covenant that Hashem, God of their fathers, made with them when He freed them from the land of Egypt. They turned to the service of other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not experienced and whom He had not allotted to them. So Hashem was incest at that land and brought upon it all the curses recorded in this book. Hashem uprooted them from their soil and anger, fury and great wrath, and cast them into another land, as is still the case. Concealed acts concern Hashem our God, but with overt acts it is for us and our children ever to apply all the provisions of this teaching. Job 31.1-33.33 I have covenanted with my eyes not to gaze on a maiden. What fate is decreed by Hashem above? What lot by Shaddai in the heights? Calamity is surely for the iniquitous, misfortune for the worker of mischief. Surely he observes my ways, takes account of my every step. Have I walked with worthless men? or my feet hurried to deceit? Let him weigh me on the scale of righteousness. Let Hashem ascertain my integrity. If my feet have strayed from their course, my heart followed after my eyes, and disdain sullied my hands, may I sow but another reap, may the growth of my field be uprooted. If my heart was ravished by the wife of my neighbor, and I lay in wait at his door, May my wife grind for another, may others kneel over her. For that would have been debauchery, a criminal offense, a fire burning down to Abaddon, consuming the roots of all my increase. Did I ever brush aside the case of my servants, man or maid, when they made a complaint against me? What then should I do when Hashem arises, when He calls me to account? What should I answer Him? Did not he who made me in my mother's belly make him? Did not one form both of us in the womb? Did I deny the poor their needs, or let a widow pine away by eating my food alone, the fatherless not eating of it also? Why, from my youth he grew up with me as though I were his father. Since I left my mother's womb, I was her guide. I never saw an unclad wretch, a needy man without clothing, whose loins did not bless me. As he warmed himself with the shearings of my sheep, if I raised my hand against the fatherless, looking to my supporters in the gate, may my arm drop off my shoulder, my forearm break off at the elbow. For I am in dread of Hashem's sent calamity. I cannot bear his threat. Did I put my reliance on gold? or regard fine gold as my bulwark? Did I rejoice in my great wealth in having attained plenty? If ever I saw the light shining, the moon on its course in full glory, and I secretly succumbed, and my hand touched my mouth in a kiss, that too would have been a criminal offense, for I would have denied Hashem above. Did I rejoice over my enemy's misfortune? 
Did I thrill because evil befell him? I never let my mouth sin by wishing his death in a curse. Indeed, the men of my clan said we would consume his flesh insatiably. No sojourner spent the night in the open. I opened my doors to the road. Did I hide my transgressions like Adam and bury my wrongdoing in my bosom, that I should now fear the great multitude, and am shattered by the contempt of families, so that I keep silent and do not step outdoors? Oh, that I had someone to give me a hearing! Oh, that Shaddai would reply to my writ, or my accuser draw up a true bill! I would carry it on my shoulder, and tie it around me for a wreath. I would give him an account of my steps and offer it to a commander. If my hand cries out against me, its furrows weep together. If I have eaten its produce without payment and made its rightful owners despair, may nettles grow there instead of wheat, instead of barley, stinkwood. The words of Job are at an end. These three men ceased replying to Job, for he considered himself right. Then Elihu son of Barakel the Buzite of the family of Ram was angry, angry at Job, because he thought himself right against Hashem. He was angry as well at his three friends, because they found no reply, but merely condemned Job. Elihu waited out Job's speech, for they were all older than he. But when Elihu saw that the three men had nothing to reply, he was angry. Then Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite, said in reply, I have but few years while you are old. Therefore I was too awestruck and fearful to hold forth among you. I thought, let age speak, let advanced years declare wise things. But truly, it is the spirit in men, the breath of Shaddai, that gives them understanding. It is not the aged who are wise, the elders who understand how to judge. Therefore I say, listen to me, I too would hold forth. Here I have waited out your speeches, I have given ear to your insights while you probed the issues. But as I attended to you, I saw that none of you could argue with Job or offer replies to his statements. I fear you will say, we have found the wise course, Hashem will defeat him, not man. He did not set out his case against me, nor shall I use your reasons to reply to him. They have been broken and can no longer reply. Words fail them. I have waited till they stopped speaking, till they ended and no longer replied. Now I also say, I too would like to hold forth, for I am full of words. The wind in my belly presses me. My belly is like wine not yet opened, like jugs of new wine ready to burst. Let me speak then and get relief. Let me open my lips and reply. I would not show regard for any man or temper my speech for anyone's sake. For I do not know how to temper my speech. My Maker would soon carry me ove. But now, Job, listen to my words. Give ear to all that I say. Now I open my lips. My tongue forms words in my mouth. My words bespeak the uprightness of my heart. My lips utter insight honestly. The spirit of Hashem formed me. The breath of Shaddai sustains me. If you can, answer me. Argue against me. Take your stand. You and I are the same before Hashem. I, too, was nipped from clay. 
You are not overwhelmed by fear of me. My pressure does not weigh heavily on you. Indeed, you have stated in my hearing I heard the word spoken. I am guiltless, free from transgression. I am innocent, without iniquity. But he finds reasons to oppose me. Consider me, He considers me his enemy. He puts my feet in stocks and watches all my ways. In this you are not right. I will answer you. Hashem is greater than any man. Why do you complain against him that he does not reply to any of man's charges? For Hashem speaks time and again, though man does not perceive it. In a dream, a night vision, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber on their beds. Then he opens men's understanding and by disciplining them, leaves his signature to turn man away from an action to suppress pride in man. He spares him from the pit, his person from perishing by the sword. He is reproved by pains on his bed, and the trembling in his bones is constant. He detests food. Fine food is repulsive to him. His flesh wastes away till it cannot be seen, and his bones are rubbed away till they are invisible. He comes close to the pit. His life verges on death. If he has a representative, one advocate against a thousand to declare the man's uprightness, then he has mercy on him and decrees, Redeem him from descending to the pit, for I have obtained his ransom. Let his flesh be healthier than in his youth. Let him return to his younger days. He prays to Hashem and is accepted by him. He enters his presence with shouts of joy, for he requites a man for his righteousness. He declares to men, I have sinned, I have perverted what was right, but I was not paid back for it. He redeemed him from passing into the pit. He will enjoy the light. Truly Hashem does all these things two or three times to a man to bring him back from the pit, that he may bask in the light of life. Pay heed, Job, and hear me. Be still, and I will speak. If you have what to say, answer me. Speak, for I am eager to vindicate you. But if not, you listen to me. Be still, and I will teach you wisdom. Second Corinthians 3, 1-18 Do we, Paul and his co-workers, begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excels. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use plain, great plainness of speech, and not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Psalm 43, 1-5 Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto the holy hill and to your tabernacles. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Yes, upon the harp will I praise you, O God my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Proverbs 22, 8-9 He that sows iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. He that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. I want to speak to you today from Deuteronomy 29, our Torah portion, and then we're going to jump into Job. And so I want to begin with a couple of verses from Deuteronomy, chapter 29, verses 13 and 14, where it is written, I make this covenant with its sanctions, not with you alone, but with those who are standing here with us this day before Hashem our God, and with those who are not with us here this day. Now let's take a look at this at a much deeper level. What did he mean by that? Who are those who are not here with us this day? So remember, 
This is Moses speaking to the people just before they're about to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. And he has been speaking to them about this covenant that God has made with the people that was originally made with them at Mount Sinai with the giving of the Ten Commandments, a marriage covenant, a ketubah. And he's reminding and rehearsing to them about this covenant. And so this covenant with its sanctions are not with the people there who were standing there literally on that day in history, but with other people who are not with us here this day. Who are they? Paul sheds light on this. And let's just go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And Paul is, in a way, in the verses I'm about to share, he is referring to these verses out of Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 13 and 14. So here are the words of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Yeshua. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And let me jump down now to verse 11. Now all these things happened to them, the forefathers, as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. So basically, he's saying all of our fathers were under the cloud. All of our fathers were passed through the sea. All of our fathers drank from the spiritual rock. But literally, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather did not pass through the sea, did not drink from the the water from the rock. What does he mean? What he's saying is that spiritually, we are the children of Abraham, not by lineage, not by blood, not by hereditary or genes, but we are grafted in by the Spirit, that when we come to believe in Yeshua as Messiah, we now are descendants of Abraham. And so Yeshua made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant to Abraham that you see all these stars in the sky, your seed will be more numerous. You see this land to the north, the south, the east, and the west, to to you and to your descendants, I give this land. And so because we are descendants of Abraham spiritually, the covenant that Yeshua made with Abraham includes us. It includes us. And so coming back into the Torah portion, Deuteronomy 29, Verse 14, but though I make this covenant not with you alone, but with those who are standing here with us and those who are not here with us this day. He's making that covenant with you and me, my friend. That covenant is for you and me. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's for all of us who've been grafted in and who are spiritually 
uh, descendants of Abraham who have believed upon Yeshua as Messiah and were grafted in. These covenants are for all of us. Okay, let's continue. Let's continue. And let's jump into Job now. And I want to start in Job chapter 31, verse 35. And Job is coming to the end of his very long discourse where he is trying to make meaning out of all of his suffering, trying to understand why he's going through all this suffering, trying to justify himself to say, I don't deserve this. I've been very righteous. It's been a very long discourse. And so now in verse 35, he says, Oh, that I had someone to give me a hearing. Oh, that Shaddai would reply to my writ, or my accuser would draw up a true bill. And the final word in that chapter, verse 40, May nettles grow there instead of wheat, instead of barley, stinkwood. The words of Job are at an end. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. These words depict Job's exhaustion. After his long lamenting his many fortunes and speculating as to their possible causes, Job suddenly gives up. He no longer has the strength to fight or the energy to protest. Job spends a lot of time and emotional energy trying to make sense of his suffering. Due to his intense suffering, it was difficult for Job to recognize, as King Solomon did, the truth that for whom Hashem loves, he rebukes. Often suffering is brought upon a person as a mark of God's love, while he abandons those for whom he has no regard to the whims of chance. King David also realizes that sometimes suffering is really a gift. When he says, Happy is the man whom you discipline, Hashem. Psalm 94, verse 12. This idea is reflected in a well-known statement by Rabbi Simeon Bar Yochai. Three gifts were given by God through suffering. Torah, the land of Israel, and the world to come. The righteous are able to perceive that suffering paves the way to bearing the greatest gifts of God to his people. A lot of wisdom in those words. Now I want to continue in chapter 33 of Job, verse 27. And this is Elihu speaking, and he is the younger man, and he's held his peace up until this time, but now he has a comeback something he wants to say to Job. And in verse 27, he states, He declares to men, I have sinned, I have perverted what was right, but I was not paid back for it. And so the Israel commentary to this verse reads as follows. In order for a person to be forgiven and his soul to be redeemed, he must repent of his sins and return from his evil ways. This is true for individuals and applies equally on a national level. The Bible tells us that after the children of Israel have sinned and are scattered among the nations of the world, it is through repentance that they will merit redemption and return to the land. You will return to Hashem your God, and you and your children will heed His command. Then Hashem your God will restore your fortunes and take you back in love. And Hashem your God will bring you to the land that your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. 
Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 2 to 5. It is through repentance that they will return to the land of Israel and rebuild the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, in Jerusalem, the spiritual center of the world. Only then will we be able to truly bask in God's glory. So I would add to that comment that a key part of repentance, there's some a process to it. First, we become convicted of our sin. We become aware of our sin. And how do we become aware of our sin? Well, when we read the Word of God, it's like looking in a mirror. And when we look in the mirror, we see, oh, I have dirt on my face. We see it. So there's the conviction of sin. And then uh, we turn. Teshuvah. That word teshuvah in Hebrew means to repent. And it and actually, the deeper meaning of it means to turn, as in to walk in the opposite direction, to shub, to turn. You were going um, in one direction, and now you're going to do a 180-degree turn and walk in the opposite direction. And then, um, so the repentance hits our heart. Our heart is cut. Our heart is circumcised. And now, God begins to move and takes out... He, circumcises the foreskin of our heart. He takes out the heart of stone and he puts a heart of flesh there in its place. And now, once we have a heart of flesh, then the Holy Spirit can begin to write the Word of God, the Torah, upon our heart. But part of repentance is also looking unto Yeshua, to him who died for us. He died for my sin, for your sin. The penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, in Yeshua. So when we repent, we look to the cross, we look to Yeshua who died, and we ask for forgiveness of our sins. And then there's a divine exchange, and he takes our filthy rags of self-righteousness and they are filthy rags, and he covers us. He covers our nakedness with his robe of righteousness. And so now we wear the robe of Yeshua's righteousness. And so when we repent, we look to the cross. We ask Yeshua to forgive us, and then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. We are born again. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. It is no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus, Yeshua, who lives within me. So that's a, and, and the final part of repentance is, it's not just a change of heart and a change of mind, but also a change of behavior, a change in action that I no longer commit that sin that I was doing. I stop the gossiping. I stop the stealing. I stop the cheating. I stop uh, staying angry and bitter and unforgiving. Whatever that sin is, I stop with the pornography or with the drugs or whatever the sin was. And I no longer do that. I'm free from it. Yeshua has set me free. I'm no longer a slave to the sin, but now I am a love ser servant, a bond servant or a, a love slave of Yeshua, my Messiah. And I follow him and I follow his, I walk as he walked. I walk in the Torah and follow the Torah. Um, 
by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So it's a change in mind, a change in heart, and a change in behavior. Okay, that's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Eleka Vayaseh Leka Leka The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.